0: You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd, and this is Tom Talks. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Tom Talks. Today, we're going to talk about a few good men, but also today, we have a phenomenal guest with me he loves to roller skate he's an improv comedian and he is a total math freak please welcome to the show asher far asher what is up my man hello
1: it's good to be here (laughs) i love talking to tom on tom talks that's you know that's why we brought you on because we know how much you
0: love to talk tom any tom any tom Uh, the drum
1: the person any of them
0: we, we do have a bit of a, a kibosh on Tom Hanks' talk on this show. I I keep speaking ill of him anytime a, a guest brings him up. So we're not allowed to talk that, Tom.
1: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we'll have to go to my podcast for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, Tom, Tom talks. talks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but- you you talk only about Tom Hanks movies.
1: Yeah, I feel but not like the good ones. The the lesser known big sequels, big three and four, and Turner and Hooch two, Return of the Hooch. I've never Forrest seen Gum Five Hooch, though. Did
0: you know there's actually a Forrest Gump sequel? I heard there was a book, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the the sequel book. Oh, what happens in it? It's something like oh, it's, he it's meets like- Tom Hanks in the book. It's very meta. Where where You're Forrest Gump right? And they they interact. And I think there's time travel involved and he has, Forrest Gump has a son. It's really, it's ridiculous. It's
1: it's Forrest Gump gallivanting through all of time. So instead of Forrest Gump just causing some events in the world, he causes all of world history. Um, I'd watch that
0: movie. I think it'd be a lot more interesting than actual Forrest
1: Gump. Forrest Gump burned down the library of Alexandria. (laughs) Tragic. For, for the audience, like you do improv, have you had many improv shows uh, virtually? Uh, I have had zero improv shows virtually. I'm, I've been on a, a hiatus, as they call it. It's actually super weird because I've been doing improv for a really long time. This is the longest I've gone without like performing or practicing. I call it, you know, it's sort of like a, uh, a hibernation. I'm waiting. I'm getting stronger.
0: Right in your in your little uh, chrysalis of improvanity.
1: Yeah. Do you know that in, a, in like a real chrysalis for like an actual butterfly, they completely melt. Ooh. Like they completely dissolve and reform as a butterfly, but they maintain memories.
0: How That's does that so work?
1: Weird. I have no idea. Uh, it's
0: maybe like they, they say like water has memory in some sort of way. Like water can like reform certain shapes, that kind of thing. Maybe. Maybe if we give water enough time, maybe water is secretly uh, a caterpillar that's just in a chrysalis for so very long, and the atmosphere yeah. is the chrysalis.
1: Water actually, it wants to be caterpillar, but most of the time we're drinking it, we're preventing that. Just um, constantly, it cannot evolve. It's a stupid
0: joke. <laughs> this joke is so dumb. I know it's it it's it's. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, but, but you're, you're improving, but you're studying a computer science. You're, you're going to be a little, little data head, a little. Yeah. I'm a
1: computer boy. science and math major, a uh, double major, I guess. So my job is to sit inside and cry. Someone's got to sometimes it. do equations, you know, really, if you think about it, I do important work. You know, sometimes I write a number, a letter. And I say how they're related. That's most of what I do.
0: Yeah, that's really, that is vital. That is vital to all, all of the world's needs. You you are an essential worker, is I the am. gist of it. How is, how is Boulder? I know, because you're, are you living
1: in Boulder or are you down in Littleton wow. right now? I am living in Boulder. It's ridiculous. We yeah. have, I, our cases are starting to go down, but uh, we have a bunch of frats and they decided to have a lot of parties. So we had the biggest case numbers in all of Colorado for a while. I mm-hmm. think we might, we still might. Uh, the the city of Boulder put um, a stay-at-home order, but just for 18 to 22-year-olds. Um, you have to stay in your house, but if you are 23, you can leave, which is bizarre. They also, they changed, they changed this rule, but it used to be like you literally couldn't go out with another 18 to 22 year old. Like even if they were your roommate or something. And there's these face is there's this long thread of Facebook comments. One of them is like can an 18 to 22 year old drive another 18 to 22 year old to seek medical care? And the city of Boulder <laughs> replied with just no. Period. Like <laughs> that's wild. It's whack up here. Um I but they know. changed that one.
0: That's probably for the best. I feel like that's a pretty rigorous rule that's pretty unenforceable also. like
1: yeah, how are you gonna enforce it? Like are you yeah. gonna pull you pull someone over while they're driving to the hospital? And it's like, hey, are you uh, I know you're dying right now, but you look like you're 2 18 to 22 year olds. You're gonna I, have to come with me.
2: Yeah, no, you're,
0: you're underage. Can, can I see the ID? They pull out the little the, the light checks the eligibility. I'm wondering, do you think people ordered fakes that said they were 24 just to break out of it?
1: That would be interesting. I mean, how long how long does a fake take to make? How long does a fake take to make? That's a horrible, That that's like a very bad rapper line. If you, in, in case you ever have any terrible freestyles, you can, like you're in a bad rap contest, you can save that one for later. You'd be
0: surprised at how frequently I find myself in bad rap contests nowadays. I actually, I'm like a, I ghostwrite for a rapper who goes by Lil Tater. He's a, he's an Irish rapper and it's all food themed. Listen to Thick Snack now on SoundCloud.
1: Um, That's ridiculous. Two C's for both Thick with two C's, thick, Snack thick with two C's. Snack. Yeah. Does he rap with an Irish accent?
0: You know, I've tried to get him to. The rhyming is just a little bit trickier because then I have to, as his ghostwriter, I have to think about rhymes. Mm. Yeah. in an irish accent
1: i know Boy, you think i'm on...
0: completely making this up but i genuinely have done this and if you look up thick snack on soundcloud you will find content that i have written okay. but i do not let's have see. let's see i i don't have a it, it'll be under white noise productions that's my uh producer handle it's terrible ridiculous. just just phenomenally like it's grotesque it's gross it, i i write really gross rap, <laughs> rap lyrics yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not proud of this. I'm honestly, I'm not happy with what I've done. I'm genuinely, I'm sorry that I've done this for the world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like you
0: put something into the world that you're like, I, my bad guys, right? I feel that because because there was a sequel. So I wrote Thick Snack One and then Thick Snack Two, the sequel. And genuinely, I've never been more ashamed of anything in my life. But also. There's some clever stuff in there. That's there's some like some pretty solid punchlines within the
1: rap. Yeah, I mean when when you when you are the best ghostwriter in the world, you write some good lines. You know, I I don't know. I'm not saying best. that's you, but <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't saying think... that is that's just a fact about what it's the definition of being the best ghost writer in the world. Yeah, I wasn't, sorry. I, that was just another off the of dome talk. I know, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't actually talking about you. I was talking about my friend, Darren. He's, He's a ghostwriter. He, who did he ghostwrite for? Tupac and Ronald Reagan. He was also a speechwriter. Good. That's a storied career. Yeah, he died of, um, he was robbing a train. So uh, speaking of music, you're you're pretty well
0: versed in the music I'm going to call you well versed in the music scene just because of your phenomenal playlist creation skills. I still promote the Azure Far party playlist to everyone I meet all the time. Uh what are what are you listening to now?
1: Let's see. I recently started this album of music that probably no one but me will enjoy. It's it's a, an album of remixes by my favorite artist, my favorite remix artist named Neil Cisierga.
2: Uh, I love him. It's called Mouth, Mouth Dreams.
1: Now, Mouth Dreams is his newest one. It's his fourth remix album. Ooh. Uh, just came out. Um, it's, you know, it's not something you'd really want to bump at a party, but if you want, if you're kind of feeling weird, in a goofy mood, put it on and it'll... Uh, It'll drive you right up the wall if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like Bustin' you could put
0: on at a party, and people would wouldn't notice it at first, and they'd start vibing with it. But like,
1: then they'd realize what's going on. Wait, this isn't Ghostbusters. Wait, this song sounds a lot like Ghostbusters, but in a different order. Something's wrong here. Something is wrong here. If there's something strange. In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. Yeah. Et cetera, That's, et cetera. You know, you know how it is. Who, who, who must you call the men who bust ghosts? They're the, ghost are the only people to call.
0: You, so you're making a, a collection of their stuff. I,
1: I, it's hard to find his stuff on Spotify. I don't think it's on Spotify. It's YouTube mm, primarily, no. right? That or SoundCloud. Um, let's see. What else am I bumping? It's October. So, you know, the longer – they're posting Christmas TikToks on TikTok. The sooner I will be listening to Christmas music. Uh, let's see, oh, I've been spinning a lot of funk lately. Ooh. Uh, a lot of Parliament has been on the queue. Uh, a lot of Donna Summer. Oh, on September 21st, they released, Earth, Wind & Fire released uh, a series of September remixes, which are also very good. Ooh. Um, I'm going to write that one down. I got to check that I out. I would highly recommend the the new remixes of September.
0: I definitely, do, does the the funk, does that go along with your roller skating? Do you just blast funk while you roller skate?
1: Yeah, if you, if you listen to funk or disco while you roller skate, it will make you 10 times better. That's a tip for me. I'm a pro roller skater. Uh, anyone listening right now, go outside, steal some roller skates, and listen to disco. It'll make you good. And and Radio DePaul does not condone the theft of anything, let alone roller skates. But, you know, do do what he says. Yeah. Don't steal them, but like acquire some at an appropriate price. Ding. That was a wink. That's too good. Is it skates or blades that you do? Oh, I'm skating, baby. Got some quads. Is that red velvet? Is that crushed Uh, red velvet? They're suede. They're red suede. Ooh, <laughs> where do you find a pair of red suede roller skates? You, the internet. I think they are. They are called boardwalks. They are sure grip boardwalks. Yeah, Things I'm not. Very, I'm not coordinated common. enough
0: to roller skate. I actually, I just recently got in a quote unquote scooter accident. Uh, riding uh, one of those pay for scooters uh, around the city Ooh. woman opens her car door right in front of me. I s- oh, I didn't hit it. Thank goodness. I swerved out of the way, hit a bump and uh, did a little, did a little tumble. My knees are so scraped up. I, I tore a brand oh. new pair of jeans. That was painful. More so. Cause I just bought a new pair of jeans. Like first time I bought myself anything nice in a long while immediately Mm, um, gets torn in a scooter accident but i was able to avoid breaking my arms uh, which i do almost every other time i fall i've i've broken this one this bad boy twice here and here uh, from falling so i'm very thankful i didn't get a third
1: yeah but then you could say you got the triple you know a hat trick arm break
0: right is it's like uh, Secretariat with his, his triple crown, but it's the triple cast.
1: Yeah, except if you you know if a horse breaks something, they have to kill it. True. I don't want that to happen. Not to you. Yeah, you know, one day you're riding a scooter, the next day they're putting you down, turning you into glue. Is that what happened to Secretariat? Is he glue now? You know, I think I think it was Oscar Wilde who once said, "In the end, we're all glue."
0: That does sound like something Oscar Wilde would say. (laughs) I I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in Oliver Twist at one point, he was like, at one point, we were all glue. (laughs) I'm glue, and you're glue, too. No, I'm rubber, and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off and sticks back to you, that old idiom by Oscar Wilde. The classic oscar wilde uh comeback i don't remember what oscar wilde wrote i i was thinking of charles dickens this whole time
1: yeah i have no idea none what?
0: What? okay we we're at computers we can google this what did oscar wilde write i think he, he's the guy who made that hot dog company right yes yeah yeah the the wienermobile um yeah oh dorian gray the picture of Dorian Gray and the importance of being earnest. I was thinking of Charles Dickens. What did Charles Dickens write?
1: A Christmas Carol, Oliver Twist, Great Expectations.
0: Did he also do Tale of Two Cities? Was that him?
1: Um, maybe. But I thought that was Scorsese.
0: Yep, you're right. Martin Scorsese's A Tale of Two Cities.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know he's not a Marvel movie. Honestly, I'd watch that
0: knowing not a ton about the Tale of Two Cities other than the first historical – like the quote from it and the fact –
1: now that I know that it's written by Dickens. You know, it's a Martin Scorsese – it'd be a Martin Scorsese movie, so it'd right. probably be pretty good.
0: It'd, it'd have, uh, what, Robert De Niro in it probably as – yeah. London and,
1: and-
2: <laughs> Paris. I
1: don't know. Yeah, they're doing like a what – what was that internet thing? Was it a – you know, where all the countries were people and they were friends, like Poland ball or whatever? They're going to do that. They're going to do like 2012 internet memes but with a movie. It's it's so good. It's so good to be on this podcast. I'm, I'm trying to come here and be viru- virulently unfunny. You know, that's, that's been my goal for today. Well, you
0: know – yeah. This is Tom Talks. We should probably talk some Tom, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's talk Tom. So how, how familiar would you say you are with uh, Tom Cruise's filmography?
1: Uh, I've seen a couple of the Mission Impossible films. I've seen um, Edge of Tomorrow. That's
0: a good one. What's, um, what's your favorite of any of the... I think- time cruise
1: movies you've seen honestly edge of tomorrow might take it that movie slaps that movie is awesome
0: it is a um, phenomenal film i do enjoy it quite a bit i do want to do a groundhog day movie marathon which features edge of tomorrow and then it also has like mm-hmm. the the netflix original movie naked i've talked about it on the show before last time i talked about it it happened to be groundhog day but i didn't know that uh and it was a live broadcast and my mom texts me mid-show she's like You know, today is Groundhog
1: Day, right? I'm like, oh, is it winter? Yes, Mother, and so was yesterday and the day before and the day before. Yeah, but
0: Edge of Tomorrow is a phenomenal choice for your best Tom Cruise movie um, or your favorite Tom Cruise movie. What? Okay, this is a question that I ask all of my guests, and I've gotten a weird variety of answers, but what is the most Tom Cruise thing that
1: you have ever done? That I have ever done? I jump up onto couches and laugh a lot. That you know, <laughs> I've also jumped out of a plane. Those are the two most Tom Cruise things. Oh, also like um, I'm a high-ranking Scientologist and I lock people up a lot.
0: It's a good combination of things. Those are that's what you want to take away from being uh, Tom Cruise. I feel like nine times out of ten, people are just like, "Yeah, I rode on the back of a motorcycle one time." Nah, you've got you've got the vibe, the
1: energy of Tom Cruise down pat. I'm obsessed with that that video, that interview with Tom Cruise on Oprah. It's bizarre. It's strange. It really is. I, I feel like a lot of his interactions with the
0: public are so bizarre. Though I've, I don't know if I've ever, like, I haven't recently seen paparazzi photos of him, even though he's been shooting multiple films uh, and, like, he's promoting a release. But I haven't seen, like, him spotted anywhere recently, which is so weird I'm wondering, because I know he's in like Norway right now, filming Mission Impossible 7, whatever it's going to be called. And he was in London for a little bit on the same project and they have their own production bubble, but like nobody's sneaking in and taking photos and I want that.
1: Yeah. You want to see like, is Tom doing okay? Because we don't Is he wearing a mask?
0: Is Is he wearing a mask
1: covering that beautiful smile? That beautiful center tooth? Let the people see the center tooth, Tom. I'm wondering, because masks are such
0: a pivotal piece of the Mission Impossible franchise with the weird prosthetic masks. Every single one That's true. has that. Honestly, there's a ton of masks in and around Tom Cruise movies. If I pull up the data, I know Vanilla Sky has a mask. There's masks in every single Mission Impossible. He
1: wears a mask in Top the, Gun. Um, whatever the orgy one is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eyes Wide there, Shut. Yes. Eyes Wide Shut has masks, right? Plenty of masks, tons of masks. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm really hoping uh, I'm, I'm reaching out to a former professor of mine who also teaches a class on the history of sexuality. And I'm going to try and bring her on for that episode because uh, the only other person who was like, I would love to be a guest on that episode was my dad. And I don't want to talk about
1: that movie with my dad. Not on the air, at least. Dad, we're gonna have a private conversation about Eyes Wide Shut.
0: (laughs) I will not be putting this on uh, Spotify podcasts for everyone to hear.
1: (laughs) Hello, friends on the internet. Today, this is my dad, and we're gonna talk about Tom Cruise's Eyes Wide Shut. Dad, have you ever been to an RG?
0: So I'm trying to bring on someone academic, so that one is more of a guided discussion about human sexuality. And less uh, talking about orgies with my father. I'm bringing my mom on though um, for Jerry Maguire because I was born while Jerry Maguire was playing on the TV. So the first sounds I heard were of um, Tom
1: Cruise. That gives this show, you know, sort of a more more weight. You know, it's like you're you're addressing your influences.
0: Yeah. We can go into the next question that I ask uh, every single guest. I give every guest on the show, in case Tom Cruise ever listens to the podcast, which I know he never will, but in case he does, I'm giving every guest one minute to say whatever you want to Tom. So you can use this minute. I'll hold up the timer. Use it however you see fit. Whatever you want to say to Tom, you can say to Tom now.
1: Tom, it's just you and me now everyone else who's listening to this, they, they've paused it. So it's just you and me. You don't have to be worried anymore. Tom, I love you. Um, we met one time at a Chipotle, um, in Fort Lauderdale and you, you got two scoops of guac. Uh, I remember that. And I said, I was behind you in line. I ordered, I ordered some guac and you said, I like walk. And I, li- literally, Tom, I have been in love with you since that day. So, like, call me. You said, I said my name to the Chipotle lady, and you said, huh, Ashton. That's a cool name. Um, my name is not Ashton. My name is Asher. And Tom, please call me. Snapchat me. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's your minute. <laughs>
0: 10 out of 10, A+. plus. Tom, I hope, if you're listening, I, hope he hears
1: that.
0: I, I, really, I really do hope that he hears that. Uh, well, this is the point in the show where I'm going to put in a commercial break. So go ahead, uh, stay tuned after this. We're going to play a quick game and then we'll go into our synopsis and all of that fun stuff. So stay tuned after this. I'm voting because I want to make sure that everyone feels welcome in our country.
2: I vote because my parents can't. I vote because I really hate decisions being made without my input. I vote because I want to say in my future.
1: I vote because I want my voice heard. I'm voting because the
0: future of this city matters to me. I'm voting because everyone always talks
1: about how bad things are. I want to make them better. I vote for the future. So, why do you vote? Tuesday, November 6th is Midterm Election Day, and your vote is your voice. To find your polling place in Chicago, visit ChicagoElections.com. This message was brought
0: to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection.
2: You're listening to Radio DePaul. Best Station in
0: the Nation 2020. You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd. This is Tom Talks. I'm here with Asher, and we are about to play a game called You Can't Handle the Truth. It is an inversion of the popular game Two Truths and a Lie, where instead of having two truths and one lie, there are two lies and one truth, and an interrogation period where one of us gets to ask the other person questions in order to ascertain that truth. Uh, we will do our best to hide which of the three things is real and which of the three things is not real. Um, two of the three things are not real. Would you like me to start with the the lies or would you like to start with the lies? Please begin. All right. After you. So I'll I'll say the lies and then you'll have 90 seconds to ask me any questions that might help you ascertain which of these is the truth. And I will do my best to lead you astray. So here are my st- stories, statements, uh, whatever you want to call them. Number one, I ate at Hacienda, Colorado with iconic Denver band 303. Number two, I've participated in a prayer circle with rapper ASAP Ferg. Or number three, I got really, really into making meatballs over quarantine. And Mm -hmm. your 90 seconds, you can ask me anything you want begins
1: now. Ah, which of these truths can I not handle? Tell me more about your meatball making recipe.
0: Uh, I use, I think it's a 70-30 beef. uh, And because I'm poor, I don't use like lamb or pork. I just go straight beef. uh, And I build them into about like an inch size ball, mix it with the egg and the breadcrumb, all that jazz. And then I sear them before I simmer them.
1: Okay. Okay, tell me tell me more about ASAP Ferg. ASAP Ferg is
0: is a great man, a surprisingly religious man. If you listen to his rap lyrics, um, he's he's very spiritual. and And the reason that he gave a prayer is because he was asked by the opener of the concert to lead a prayer uh, as a form of good luck before the show started.
1: Strong like Lecrae vibes. I like it. Okay, and then hacienda Colorado with you know, 303 that, that makes sense to me, but it almost sounds too Colorado. You know, it's like I ate with 303 at Casa Bonita and then the, the gorilla gave me a high five. That one feels sus to me.
0: We did talk about going to Casa Bonita. Uh, we decided on Hacienda Colorado cause it was closer to where we were at the time.
1: Mm. And only one of these is true. Only one of them is true. Which one do you think is okay. true? Okay, let's see. I am going to say, wow, these are all really within the realm of possibility for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for uh, for 303.
0: 33 is my guess. That is one of the lies. They turned Ooh. me down when I invited them to Hacienda Colorado. Ooh. I was mad. I, I wasn't lying about the Casa Bonita thing because uh, they were like, "Man, we'd go to Casa Bonita," and I'm like, "We're going to Hacienda Colorado. You want to come?" And they said, "No, nah, we're eating dinner with our manager." It was an interesting interaction I had with them at a convention. Um, but yeah, that's a lie.
1: Well, now I really can't handle the truth. Can I? Do I get another guess? I, yeah, yeah. Do can, I guess again? You can guess again. Um, I don't know, meatballs feels really mundane to me. Um, you know, compared to these two other stories um so i feel like I feel like you got into some other food that wasn't meatballs asap ferg
0: Chief? asap ferg is the truth uh i was his hospitality <laughs> manager for um de fest 20 what is it 2018 i think 2017 or 2018. uh he came the opener was bj the chicago kid um who i think mm-hmm. he was to bj um but bj before he went on his like guitar player, um, or it might just be a keyboard player, uh, was about to leave and go towards the stage. Cause he's like, it's call time. And BJ points to him and says, are you really, are you really going to leave before we pray? And the like keyboard player turns around. He's like, Oh no, I'm sorry. And then BJ the Chicago kid turns to ASAP Ferg, uh, and says ASAP, please lead us in a prayer. And it was surreal and phenomenal. I'm a devout religious person now because I was converted Ver- by vertigy, dude. Yeah, I I run with the mob. I hum to Allah. Um, so please check in with me and, and do your job. The I classic read.
1: lines.
0: You know the one. And I, I made meatballs once in quarantine. It didn't go well. <laughs> so I, I don't do that wow. anymore. All okay. right. Now it's your turn.
1: What are your statements your truths your lies let's see my statements okay so over quarantine i have become very fast at typing i actually i feel actually kind of embarrassed to say this but i hit 90 90 words per minute which uh you know is embarrassing because that, everyone embarrassing. else can't type you know it's a it's embarrassing not to be me really uh because everyone else is slow at typing Let's see what else are other true things that have happened to me. I have become very close friends with a Fox that lives outside of my house. We've become fast friends. There's another true thing that has happened. And I one time went to Chicago. That's where you guys live and got second place in an improv tournament with my friends. There's three things for you.
0: Okay, I'll start my ninety seconds. Um, how how did you befriend the fox? Did you feed it things? Yeah.
1: So we've started feeding this fox like um, like chicken. I mean, not a lot, but like there's it just you know sort of hangs out and we'll feed it uh, lots of food. We watch it. We're not like super close, you know. Sure. We're not super close friends. You're
0: your new friends. Um We are new friends. With the, the Chicago improv tournament, what was the venue of the tournament?
1: Oh we were at comedy sports, but we weren't doing comedy sports.
0: Sure. Comedy sports off of where where is that? Is that Belmont? I'm
1: trying to remember where it is. It's close to like a uh, like a thrift store, like an like an old timey
0: Oh yeah. I go, I go, uh, that's my area. That Taco Bell's my Taco Bell.
1: That's your Taco Bell? That's my Taco Taco. Bell.
0: I I am Mr. Taco at that Taco Bell. Uh, And, and along the lines of typing, is it, did you practice for your major or is it just a more of a personal thing?
1: It's really just to pwn noobs, you know? (laughs) Sorry. I, I don't know why I said that. It's mostly just you know, to teach people not to mess with me. They, they, hear, they hear how fast I type and they're scared.
0: Okay. That was my 90 seconds. I feel like the Chicago improv one, I know you came to Chicago for an improv competition. I feel like you won the tournament. I don't think you got second. That's where I'm leaning with that. So I think that one's a lie. The Fox feels very on brand for you but i feel like it could also just be your dad and you're telling a story like your dad has befriended a fox and you're saying that it's you
1: that is in character for him as well
0: right mike far definitely has several woodland
1: friends uh at least for sure one for sure now he's gotten actually really into dirt biking recently that's that's not a joke Uh, (laughs) um why (laughs) Because he is the coolest man ever born, he he sent me this picture uh, an hour ago. Wish you were here. <laughs> For the audience listening at home,
0: that's his father, who is uh, I don't know a middle-aged man on a mid fifties
1: bizarre fellow. Do you guys- I love him so much. That's so good. Um,
0: I feel like. Typing is a safe truth. Or you're only to like 85, and you're not up to 90. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're on, on that
1: the typing. typing technicality.
0: Um, I think that
1: the fox is the truth. Ooh, you're close. There's a fox that lives in my backyard, but we're not friends. I'm best friends with the deer that lives in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked you.
0: That's too bad. Um, so if not the Fox, maybe you did get second at the improv tournament. You did yeah, get we're second. number two. <laughs> <laughs> I had so much faith. I was like, no, I'm sure you won it. I'm sure. Oh man. You won I wish. No,
1: nah, I'm bad. You forgot that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You, you can make it in the, the big, big Chicago improv game. Of course there's yeah, no the big apple. There's no shows going on right now. We're, we're the big onion. Also. We're not the big apple.
1: Everyone calls Chicago the big apple. I know this. The Windy Apple. Well, wait, how fast do you type if you don't type 90? Oh, I type like 75. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, not, I don't even think 75, maybe 70. I have been practicing typing though. That's not a lie. Gotta get, gotta get these puppies faster. That deck score, gotta increase it. True. Truly. Have you In college, have you taken up
0: D&D like I feel like a lot of people
1: have? no but just because i'm like really bad at committing to things um that's a that's an advertisement to me anyone listening uh, if you want a man with commitment issues i'm here uh, <laughs> you know they'll call. <laughs>
0: yeah i'll put your number uh on the on the graphic
1: but yeah i've played some dnd uh it's pretty it's pretty rad I mean, we gotta
0: we gotta get a one shot or something going. I, I designed a one shot that's an escape room a little while
1: back actually. Well, I, I worked in an escape room for a summer. Dude, I, so did I. What in what were your rooms? What were their themes? Uh, we had one that was sort of like spy themed, where you're sort of like an international spy like solving things to get out of a room. Um, we have one that's sort of like a Mayan, that was like a Mayan puzzle. Um, ancient temple vibes. And then we had another one where you got abducted by aliens and you had to get out of their ship. Ooh, that's dope. I,
0: yeah, mine, we were, uh, there was a prison one, pretty basic, a bank robbery one, also pretty basic. Uh, Then there was a Cold War spy. So it was a spy one, but you're specifically in the Cold War. That's, that's a good type of spy. Right? That's, I mean where a lot of the spy stories that we know and love come from. And then a fourth one was our Zodiac killer room. And that was my favorite to run. <laughs> uh, Cause there was like a voice modulator we got to use some really, really immersive puzzles, uh, which is terrifying uh, when you're in the Zodiac killer's apartment. Uh, but, oh, so much fun. I don't know if they're open yet. Uh, I worked there for like two years uh, and covid Cancelled all of their rooms, so they put me on furlough and have not brought me back yet. So,
1: sad. I'll
0: say, Levy, I got other sources of income.
1: Listen, I'm a hey. multifaceted guy, right? We're I fine.
0: Wait, are you on TikTok? Why? Why? Why am I not seeing videos of you constantly?
1: Because I have one video posted, and it's because it was I was really high at two in the morning, and I saw something I couldn't help but react to. I should be making TikToks. I feel like.
0: Your content would be excellent.
1: Um, well don't don't inspire me too much, or your listeners will have to follow me on TikTok. Um, what what is your TikTok? I my TikTok is. I'm gonna follow you. I it's uh, let's see. I think Wait, it's mo- At moron juice, moron underscore juice. That's great. I think mine's just my name.
0: Because I'm lame like that i'm gonna follow you cool well now now i feel pressured to make more tiktoks good i'm pressuring you make more TikToks. (laughs) now you've got to do roller skate stuff you've got to go outside and
1: be funky you're right you're right hey hey i should um i will one day well i hope i've given your listeners some some entertainment there's so much juicy content thank you so
0: much for coming on the show we gotta catch up more often we gotta agree we we should get a netflix party with the dudes and just spam in
1: the chat a bunch of weird (coughs) shit about some weird you know i couldn't agree more the more the more you watch films and spam the better your life is remember that there's anything hey i'm not talking to you connor anymore i'm talking to the people of radio depaul in case you ever need something, you need advice for your life, let me give you the three things. One, um, watch movies, uh, two, uh, shit post three. Um, like go on a date with Asher far. He's like a kind of a, he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, and if you follow those three, you'll get through life. Easy money.
0: Well, Thank you so much for your wonderful words. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you on. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, We're going to play Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton uh, after this segment. Uh, And then after that, we'll go into a full synopsis and a data breakdown. Stay tuned after this. say it. Hello and welcome back. I'm Connor Mudd. You're listening to Radio DePaul and this is Tom Talks. You just listened to Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton, who is the original author of that song. Phenomenal song. I know it is in the movie that we're talking about today. I don't know exactly where, but I know it's in there. The movie that we're talking about today is, of course, A Few Good Men, arguably one of Tom Cruise's best movies. And, you know, just a good movie all around with a phenomenal cast, a pretty interesting plot. And, you know, good vibes, just good vibes all around. So let's get started with a synopsis. The movie follows, uh, initially, two U.S. Marines, uh, Lance Corporal Harold Dawson and Private First Class Loudon Downey, who are facing a general court-martial because they are accused of murdering their fellow Marine, William Santiago. They're all working at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Santiago, the person who was murdered, had poor relations with his fellow Marines. He compared unfavorably to them, and he broke the chain of command in an attempt to get transferred out of Guantanamo. The base commander, Colonel Nathan Jessup, and his officers argue about the best course of action. While Jeff's executive officer, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Markinson, advocates that Santiago be transferred, Jessup dismisses the option and instead orders Santiago's commanding officer, Lieutenant Jonathan James Kendrick, to quote-unquote train Santiago to become a better Marine. While well, it is believed that the motive in Santiago's murder was retribution for naming Dawson uh, in a fence line shooting, uh, naval, office, naval investigator and lawyer Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway largely, spe- largely suspects Dawson and Downey carried out a Code Red order, which is a violent extraditional punishment certainly illegal. I think against the Geneva Convention, but I'm not exactly sure on that. I'm not super familiar with the Geneva Convention uh, nowadays. Uh, So Galloway wants to defend the two, but the case, instead of being given to her, is given to Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, who's played by our main man, Tom Cruise. He is an inexperienced and unenthusiastic lawyer with a penchant for plea bargains. Galloway and Caffey uh, instantly conflict, and Galloway, unsettled by Caffey's apparent laziness, uh, whilst Caffey resents Galloway's uh, interference. So Caffey and Galloway travel to Guantanamo Bay uh, in Cuba to question Colonel Jessup and the others. Under questioning, Jessup claims Santiago was set up to be transferred the very next day. When Caffey negotiates a plea bargain with a prosecutor, Ross, uh, Dawson and Downey refused to go along, insisting that Kendrick had given them the code red order and that they never intended Santiago to die. Dawson shows outright contempt for Caffey, refusing to salute him or acknowledge him as an officer because Dawson sees him as having no honor by choosing a plea bargain over defending their actions. Lieutenant Colonel Markinson disappears. Poof, gone. Don't know what happens to him. Well, we find out what happens to him in a bit. Uh, but Caffey plans to have himself removed his counsel as he sees going to trial as pointless. At the arraignment, Kathy unexpectedly enters a plea of not guilty, explaining to Galloway and Weinberg that he realized the reason he was chosen to handle the case was because he was expected to enter the plea and the matter would be kept quiet. So he's finally growing a conscience. He's not gonna enter this plea deal because he knows in his gut that the right thing to do is not to take a plea deal. So after the case begins, Markinson later reveals uh, himself to Kathy and states unequivocally that Jessup never ordered a transfer to William Santiago. The defense manages to establish that Corporal Dawson had been denied promotion for smuggling food to a Marine who had been sentenced to bread and water, which you get for clearly disobeying uh, a direct order. However, the defense then suffered two major setbacks. The first being that Downey under cross-examination reveals he was not actually present when Dawson received the supposed code red order. And the second being that Markinson after he tells Caffey that Jessup never ordered the transfer, but ashamed that he failed to protect the Marine under his command, uh, commits suicide before he can testify. That's what happens to Markinson. Uh, Without Markinson's testimony, Caffey believes the case is lost. He later returns home. He's drunk. He's lamenting. uh, And he thought he fought the case to the best of his ability, but he was sad that he fought the case instead of taking the deal because taking the deal would have been so much easier. Galloway then... Encourages Kathy to call Jessup as a witness. They're starting to bond, but she knows the the risk of being court-martialed for smearing a high-ranking officer. Jessup is, of course, a commander colonel. He is pretty high-ranking. I don't know all of the ranks. I don't know how it's ordered, but you know he's very high-ranking. Jessup spars pretty evenly with Kathy's questioning, but is generally unnerved when Kathy points out a contradiction in his testimony. The contradiction is that Jessup. Uh, stated his Marines never disobey direct orders and that Santiago was to be transferred for his own safety. Uh, If, Kathy asks, uh, Jessup ordered his men to leave Santiago alone, how could Santiago be in danger? Irate at being caught in a lie and disgusted by what he sees as Kathy's impudence towards the Marines, Jessup extols the military's importance and his own to national security. When asked Point Blank if he ordered the code red, Jessup continues with this self-important rant uh, until af- after like being repeatedly asked the question, he keeps getting asked the question, did you order the code red? He bellows with contempt. And I, I love that phrasing, that th- this particular synopsis gives. He bellows with contempt. Uh, in fact, he did order the code red. Uh, this is, of course, the iconic scene where he shouts, you can't handle the truth. Uh, Jessup tries to leave the courtroom uh, and is promptly arrested, pretty, pretty promptly. Uh, Dawson and Downey are then cleared of the murder and conspiracy charges, but found guilty of conduct unbecoming uh, and ordered to be dishonorably discharged. Dawson accepts the verdict, but Downey does not, uh, because he doesn't really understand what they did wrong. Dawson explains that they had failed to defend those too weak to fight for themselves, like Santiago. As the two are leaving, Caffey tells Dawson that, that he does not need to wear a patch on his arm to have honor. Dawson sheds his previous contempt for Kathy, acknowledges him as an offer, and renders a salute. The film ends with Kathy and Ross exchanging kudos before Ross departs to arrest Kendrick. So that was the synopsis of the film A Few Good Men, a very fun, tension-filled film. It really reads like a play, because it was written initially as a play, and it was a really phenomenal... Film for its acting, for its writing. Uh, It's directed really well. It's just an all around, I'm not going to say feel good. I wouldn't call it a feel good film, but it is a really enjoyable film. So we'll talk through some fast facts here, real quick. Uh, So this movie was directed by Rob Reiner, who also directed This Is Spinal Tap and When Harry Met Sally. You may also know him from his acting credits. He was in. Uh, New Girl. He plays Jess's dad in New Girl. And he was also in that recent film, Hollywood. If you have not seen Hollywood, it's a Netflix original. Highly recommend. It's a period piece about 1950s Hollywood, and it is so good. The film is written by Aaron Sorkin, who's also written for West Wings. He wrote The Social Network, he wrote Moneyball. He wrote the play adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. So he's a pretty storied career. And he wrote this initially as a stage play, and then it was adapted into a movie by Rob Reiner. The cast is pretty stellar. Uh, It has probably one of the best casts of Tom Cruise's films, except for maybe you could argue Tropic Thunder or Outsiders, both of which have really phenomenal casts. But this one has some big hitters, but it does have some flaws too. uh, Like the fact that there's only two women credited as actors in this film only two. One of them is like the third highest build, and then the other is the dead last build in the entire credits. And I'll talk about both of them uh, real soon. But that upset me. <laughs> this film is, yeah, yes, it's few good men, but there appears to be fewer good women And I'm mad, it angers me so much. And I read comments, I'm not gonna share them, but there's some quotes from behind the scenes of some inherently sexist uh, production team who wanted to even recast the one female character in it, thinking that it didn't need to be played by a woman. It's dumb, and yes, this cast is full of phenomenal actors, but I would really love to see more women in the movie. But it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine at all. I'm going to go ahead and talk through the rest of the actors. Of course, we know Tom Cruise is the lead. Colonel Jessup is played by Jack Nicholson, who he's great. He's phenomenal. We all know him from all sorts of stuff. Uh, I wanted to, of course, note one of his least known pieces. He got an early start. One of his earliest films was Little Shop of Horrors, the 1960s film version Uh, So not the classic musical version, but the old school Little Shop of Horrors, he was in it as basically an extra. Um, But we know him from everything else. Galloway was played by uh, Demi Moore, who I love in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and a ton of other stuff. She is a phenomenal actress, and one of the only actresses that we'll see. I'll tell you the other woman here at the end of this list. Captain Ross is played by Kevin Bacon, and I think it's funny cuz Kevin Bacon's always attributed as someone who's in every movie. Like everyone knows what movies Kevin Bacon is in. Everyone tries to connect every actor to Kevin Bacon, but Kevin Bacon does not actually have the highest amount of acting credits on this list, and I'll uh, as we continue to go through I'll talk about how many acting credits he has. He has acting like 94 acting credits, including Footloose and then the 1990s Flatliners movie and a ton of other stuff, 94 other things or 92 other things. But if we look next on the list, uh, Lieutenant Kendrick played by Kiefer Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland from 24, the fugitive, the 2017 remake of Flatliners. Uh, he has a hundred acting credits, exactly 100. So he has six more than Kevin Bacon. So, I don't know. Take that, Kevin Bacon. But you know what? Take this, Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, Lieutenant Weinberg is played by Kevin Pollock of The Usual Suspects, Marvelous Miss Maisel, uh, The Tiger Hunter with Danny Pudi. Great movie, also, about the invention of the microwave. It's pretty weird. Um, He has 146 acting credits. So, you know, who's the big man now, Mr. Kevin Bacon? Uh, Probably still Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's phenomenal. But I'm just saying there are other actors that are in a lot more than Kevin. Next on this list uh, was, I don't know what PFC stands for, Private First Class, I think. Uh, Downey was played by James Marshall, who you might know from Twin Peaks or the hit movie The Shaft. Not the movie Shaft, The Shaft. It is a thriller movie about a killer elevator and I will never be watching that. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Markinson was played by J.T. Walsh, who is in Sling Blade and Good Morning Vietnam. Dr. Stone, who is in there for like a scene or two, I didn't even mention him in the synopsis, but he's played by Christopher Guest, who was in This is Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show. He's in all of those mockumentary type films. Cuba Gooding Jr. is in this movie as just another random military corporal. Uh, This is his first time in a movie with Tom Cruise and his less successful outing with Tom Cruise. You'd know him from Jerry Maguire, of course. Uh, And then the other woman in the the cast who played Aunt Ginny Miller, is played by Maude Winchester, who has also been in Dracula, The American President and Corinna Corinna. In reading the fun facts for this movie, listed on IMDb, I found out that Maude Winchester is Rob Reiner's sister-in-law. So of the two women hired for this movie, one of them was only hired as a favor, and that upsets me. Because this movie is so good, and I'm mad that there aren't women in it. So, I don't know what the course of action here is, but if I rated these movies on a diversity score, this one would obviously not be rated highly because they didn't hire any women. Yeah, it's upsetting. However, it is inherently quotable. It is really well-written. Some fun facts, the American Film Institute uh, rated the You Can't Handle the Truth quote as the 29th best movie quote of all time. Only three other Tom Cruise movies are on the list, which is actually pretty high if we're considering one actor's career. I know the list also features like two Terminator movies, so maybe not. Um, the other three quotes are Show Me the Money from Jerry Maguire, which is at the 25th slot, so ranked higher than You Can't Handle the Truth. Uh, you Had Me at Hello, which is at the 52nd spot. And then I Feel the Need, The Need for Speed from Top Gun is ranked 94. Also in this movie, the word sir is used 164 times. That's an average of one sir every 50 seconds, which is ridiculous. And it was nominated for four Oscars, but didn't win a single one. Yeah, it, there's parts of this that are upsetting. I think because the, the, the movie is really enjoyable, it it really grabs your attention, but the parts that are upsetting are the fact that there's no women in the cast and that it didn't win Oscars I think that's it's reasonable that it didn't win any Oscars because of something like that but it's also generally speaking it's Metacritic's a 62 which is solid it grossed pretty highly because it had phenomenal cast it was the fifth highest grossing film of the year and here is my my data breakdown my personal scores Uh, as you know I go through uh, five different metrics enjoyment engagement quality quality, iconography, and the Tom Cruise factor. The Tom Cruise factor is like a mid-level in this movie because he doesn't run all that often. There's no stunts or anything, but he's just so iconic in his demeanor and he wears a uniform. That's something that Tom Cruise repeatedly will do in his movies. He will dress in military uniform. So I count that as a Tom Cruisey thing, which is why I gave it a Tom Cruise factor of 13 and an overall score of eighty-three. Because it is enjoyable. Uh, I was highly engaged. It's really high quality, mostly because of its phenomenal acting and its good writing. Um, it's very iconic because of its quotability. So an eighty-three puts it at one of the highest-ranked movies that we've seen so far. Risky Business was an eighty-two. Uh, Top Gun was an eighty-seven. So it's ranked pretty highly. I think it's second place of what we've covered so far. Yeah, generally, my takeaway is that it's a good movie. It's just a little sexist behind the scenes. Uh, but yeah, I would recommend it still because it's enjoyable. On that note, I think it's just about time that we wrap up this episode. Tune in next week when I talk about The Firm, his second lawyer piece. And as always, stay gold, Pony Boy.